Good morning and welcome to the Fro and the Flow presented by Burbs Entertainment. We are finally back after our long-awaited hiatus. I am joined, I'm your host, first of all, Ralph Campiano, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my Martian, my Jack Martin, my Mr. Stay Sparkin, my guy who doesn't need a hamstring. He just pulls up with his left hand in game seven like James Harden. What is popping, brother? I know you had a long excavation last night of... Uh, Wally's and Portillo's munching. Tell me about how you're feeling this morning, ready to talk some hoops. A little slow, kind of like Giannis at the free throw line. Not a whole lot going on. Just trying to kind of take my time, find my bearings. You know, that Italian beef last night had a sausage in it, which I wasn't expecting. So, when we after we hang up on this call, I'm going to do a little butt cheek squeeze, hobble upstairs, and yep. get right on my porcelain throne. You're going to eradicate the nesting sites of your asshole. Um, and we are joined by our second favorite guest in the entire world. There's nobody else other than Hado that we would rather talk more basketball with. He is the man who posed naked on the cover of the Barter Six. Carter Ferriman of 303 Magazine and Burbs Entertainment. What is popping, brother? Um, I am living, brother. Mm. Mm. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Today we are going to be talking about well, first of all, we're going to wrap up the Philadelphia-Atlanta series, Milwaukee-Brooklyn, uh, how home court does not matter. We're going to talk Trey Young, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons. Uh, we're also going to talk game one of the Western Conference Finals, and then we're going to talk the keys to winning uh, the Conference Finals for each of the Final Four teams, um, then predictions in between Milwaukee and Atlanta and Philadelphia and the Clippers. But first, let's just get started with what has been, I guess, like the main topic of discourse over the last couple of days and that is just where does Philadelphia go from here obviously they lost in game seven at home to the Atlanta Hawks Um, we talked about it a couple of days ago I think we were all kind of leaning in the direction of Philly taking that game Um, and Atlanta comes in it's the Kevin Herter game Red Velvet absolutely snaps uh, puts up a clean 28 points on consistent shooting Tobias Harris doesn't show up Ben Simmons passes passes open you know, the easiest layup or dunk of all time. He heard Trey Young's footsteps and he passed it to Matisse Thibel. Jack, what stood out the most to you during Game 7? Was it was it something related to Ben or was it something more related to the Hawks? Well, just the fact that Trey Young was playing so poorly in the first half and honestly most of the game, and they were still there. Like, I just, I mentioned this a few days ago, I never expected this to happen for the Atlanta Hawks to take the Sixers to seven games and beat them. Like, I don't know. And then you just look at Ben Simmons and you wonder why you're not driving or trying to score. Because every time I look up his box score in the middle of a game, no matter where I'm at, I'm always just baffled at the amount of field goal attempts and lack of points. So when you're that supposedly that good and you were on the cover of Slam dressed as LeBron, there's higher expectations for that. Are you even impressed by his rebounds and assist numbers when you look at the box score mid-game anymore, Carter? Not at all. Uh, I mean, rebounding in general has become a bit of a non-factor in the league. Like, it just doesn't equate to wins the way it did to have a strong rebounder, especially up top. But it's just like the positives do not outweigh the negatives for the guy. And, like, his biggest draw is that – you know, lower triple-double stat line, you know, like the 10-10-10 guy. But, I mean, like, he wasn't even getting close to that. Uh, And then, you know, I think that everything just plays into the guy's confidence. I don't think he wanted to play basketball anymore this year. I think he was done. I think he wanted to go to 
Cancun. Um, just absolutely shaken. And we saw that on that unbelievable uh, pass up on that wide open donk where he passes it to Thibel, who's like seven feet from the hoop and has two guys on him. I think that that was a um, epitomization of Ben Simmons' entire series performance and entire playoffs performance. So that was easily his worst playoffs performance of his career. He scored the least amount of points despite playing in seven games. He's had series where he's played, you know, five or six games. Um, it was his sixth playoff series, and, yeah, he only scored 69 points throughout the entire series. Um, I want to go back to what Martin was kind of saying, like, just about Trey in game seven. Now, Trey was not shooting the ball very well. He was, I believe, like four or five of 23 from the field, somewhere in that range. Um, but what was really impressive about him is he was still active and he could still like have that confidence in the last three or four minutes of the game. You know, he ends up icing the game with a deep three um, at, towards the top of the key. But what stood out more than that was just the dimes. This dude was like, I was on FaceTime with Sammy when I was uh, watching the game and he was driving home. He's like, well, what's going on? I'm like, well, Trey just essentially threw th three lobs in a row to Capella, and they're just getting whatever they want around the basket because, I mean, he's just – he's operating these ball screens at, like, a level that, like, I haven't seen since, like, Chris Paul or Steve Nash. Like, he's in that echelon right now where it's like this dude is just a half-court maestro. Like, he's getting whatever look that he wants. Um, let's move over to the Milwaukee-Brooklyn series really quick. Um, so Milwaukee ends up winning Game 7 in Brooklyn. Uh, Kevin Durant, the most points ever in a Game 7, drops 48. Uh, ends up hitting a deep two. Rick Pitino's least favorite shot in the entire uh, game of basketball. Just because he has a shoe size that's a little bit too big. What are you guys going to remember most from this Milwaukee-Brooklyn series? Because I, I consider the, you know, the first four games kind of uh, uh, letdowns, but then the last three were pretty much all classics. Uh, what stood out to you the most, Jack? I mean, I know you've been a Milwaukee um, aficionado and fan for a few years now, but but what are you going to remember most from that series? KD. <laughs> KD. He was hooping. Um, and honestly, I was rooting for Brooklyn in this series. Um, kind of switch up my guys. I want to see Harden get a ring. Mm. Um, I don't hate Brooklyn. I don't hate the super team. Like whatever, it's what it's what today is. I guess it's kind of just maybe that Brooklyn, that next tier in their villain origin story. Everyone thinks they're gonna win the ship so easily they get knocked out. Um, but I guess what kind of does stick out the more I think about it is that this is Giannis's first time in the playoffs getting over that little hump. Mm. He usually runs into somebody where it's tough for him to get past. I mean, the first time I went to one of their playoff games was the Raptors. Um, who did they lose to? They lost to the Celtics. They lost to the Raptors again and Kawhi. So this was like the first time where I felt like he's really gone head-to-head -head with another true superstar. And obviously, they ended up losing Kyrie and Harden, and I think this series would have been entirely different if those two players were healthy. I think it's maybe five, six-game series where it's over. Yeah, But... For Giannis and his legacy, I think this is good for him, and it's not him just getting clamped and figured out early in the playoffs, and now he gets to go to the Eastern Conference Finals against a significantly easier opponent than I'm assuming any of them thought that they were going to be taking mm -hmm. on if they got this far in the postseason. He made adjustments mid-series. It's the first time that he's ever done that. Like He was taking threes, and then he had a game where he didn't take any threes, and then uh, Game 7 he ends up attempting like three or four of them. Um, 
Barter, what stood out to you the most on Milwaukee side? I mean, they're advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, what what kind of brought them over the hump other than just Giannis? Was was it Drew's Game 7 performance where, you know, he, he's tragic for the first 36 minutes and then hoops the last 12? Uh, was it Middleton? What, what was kind of the biggest thing for you? I think that from a series standpoint, uh, Budenholzer getting his head out of his ass was really important for the team. Uh, Budenholzer, and I think the entire team, realized – and I've been like quietly thinking this for years now is like uh, not years for the past year um, that Milwaukee should be running their offense through Middleton and not Giannis. And I think that plays directly into the Kobe and Shaq dynamic where Middleton should be touching the ball every single possession. Like I don't need Giannis having it up top in a half court offense, you know, dribbling around trying to find someone to pass to. I think they figured that out. The stat line showed it. Um, I think they figured out a great rotation. Um, and then also uh, shoe sizes stuck out to me too, like how basketball really is a game of inches. You know, Kevin Durant wears a shoe a size too big and what he was a quarter inch over the line on that shot. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just crazy that things like that can really alter a team's entire arc for a season. But Brooklyn will be back. I think they win the championship next year i'm just gonna say that now <laughs> so if they if they can remain healthy yeah they're, they're the odds on favorite uh but that is a yeah. big if that's the crazy thing is you know Kyrie's had four years in a row where pretty much every single one of his seasons has ended up um in somewhat of a i don't even know a questionable place i guess you could say because he's either injured or you know he's having his own personal issues and stuff like that uh, but let's move on to the western conference finals we had game one on sunday Phoenix ends up winning over the Clippers without Kawhi. Phoenix wins without Chris Paul. They win 120-114 to 114 behind Devin Booker's first career triple-double. And he uh, he fucking brought it. This dude is – Jack, where, where does Book stand as far as the top 12, top 13 in the NBA? Where, where would you have him right now? Um, I mean – if he's not up there, probably pretty close. I don't really know where I'd like rank him, but Stephen A said something that I liked yesterday. He said that D book is the next Kobe. <laughs> and like I guess like he's obviously not Kobe, but in terms of I mean he had that one play where he kinda went like to like the left side of the free throw line and if they so I saw someone put a video they put next to Kobe, they had the exact same movement. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of just like going out there and scoring and just being like, fuck you, I'm winning this game. I just see so much of Kobe and Devin Booker. And so I guess for that reason, I just put him at like number one, I'd say. Mm. Number one. Best player, best player in the league. Okay. You know what? You know what I was thinking about when, when I've been watching in this, this playoffs is I don't really – I see Kobe, of course, but I also see a lot of KD because he does a thing where if Kevin gets to mm-hmm. his spots below the three-point line, uh, the spots are usually right baseline. Uh, he loves his fadeaway. He loves his pull from there. Uh, right elbow extended, um, top of the key, um, and then in the post to a fadeaway. Book has the same kind of tendencies where if he just gets to like five different spots underneath the three-point line, it's pretty much a wrap because you have to have – um, like Paul George on him if you're actually going to contest the shot because if it's Terrence Mann, if it's Reggie Jackson, um, if it's anybody that's essentially like 6'6 six, six or shorter, uh, he's just going to be able to just rise up and get that ball over the top of him. And he has – like you cannot teach touch. 
I've been thinking about this the entire playoffs. Like, I do not want us. I do not want Giannis to practice threes. I don't think he's ever going to really develop like a consistent free throw routine where he can shoot 75% from the line. I don't think that you can teach touch. I think that is a God-given ability, and there are just some guys that are blessed with it, and there are some that aren't. Devin Booker is so blessed with it. How many shots do we see in that Lakers series that were just beyond difficult where you're like, oh, there's no way he knocks this in, and he just puts it and kisses it off the glass? Like, it's rare that he ever has an ugly miss. You know what I mean? Like, Giannis will not hit the backboard sometimes on free throws. It's sad. There's air balls in, like, in the equation. With Book, that is just not a part of the equation. Um, Carter, I need you to tell me if Chris Paul wins a series or if Chris Paul comes back by game three, will this be a sweep or do the Clippers take a game off of the Suns? Clippers are going to take a couple games um, and I thought Kawhi was out for the season, but like now I'm hearing like he might be back for a game or something. So that's <clears throat> completely up in the air. Uh, I don't think it'll be a sweep. I think the Clippers take a couple. Uh, I mean, I've got Suns in six. That's kind of where I'm standing right now. Um, but if they play the way that they played in game one, and they're such a good third quarter team, like. It seems like every first half that they play is just a shootout between the two teams. Like we saw it in like two of the four games versus the Nuggets, um, where like it's just an incredible offensive first half from both teams. But like they always flip a switch. Uh, I think that plays directly into their head coach. Um, I think they're really good at making adjustments. So I don't see that changing versus the Clippers. You know, we're going to keep getting great performances out of Paul George. We'll see if Reggie Jackson can keep scoring. But, you know, with no Kawhi, I think this is over in six, five, if they really play out of their minds, and then they'll roll into the finals. I think the biggest difference between this this Clippers series, between this one and their last one against Utah, is it's going to be the center on offense. Rudy Gobert was essentially useless on offense. I don't remember him even making a post-hook. I think the only baskets I remember him making were just – uh, drop off dunks like the easiest baskets in basketball but uh, DeAndre Ayton has been special like legitimately special this playoffs um, he's he had 20 and 9 last game he averaged 14 and 10 against Denver did played really well against Jokic um, and then he averaged 16 and 11 against the Lakers as well um, I just want to raise this I, I don't want it to be like a, a big thing but I, I've been thinking about it a lot because um, there's a certain somebody with a podcast that essentially said that Luka Doncic is the best 22-year-old basketball player that he's ever seen. Okay, and it pissed me off because I think that we're you know 14 years removed from LeBron essentially dragging Larry Hughes and Zydrunas Elgaskis and Drew Gooden and Sasha Pavlovich to the fucking finals. Okay, he, he dropped 48 against you know an Eastern Conference Finals team in the Pistons. Um, he had won several playoff series. Luca is a great player. I love Luca, but he hasn't won a playoff series yet. Okay, he's 0-2. Both series he lost against the Los Angeles Clippers. And the Clippers are a good organization, good team, all that kind of stuff. Um, but Trey Young is 2-0 and in the playoffs. Like, he's, he made it to the playoffs this year, and he has showed up. Like, he, this dude is fucking hooping. DeAndre Ayton, 2-0 in the playoffs. Okay, I know it's a result. At, like, playoff wins are a result of your team. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just going to say this much. Luka Doncic doesn't have the conditioning yet to be in that same conversation as LeBron. Um, before we put him in the same conversation as LeBron, can he perform better in the playoffs than Trey Young? Because this motherfucker is absolutely balling. 
Like, genuinely, genuinely volume. Sure, Luka can get you the box score stats. He's a critical rebounder, great facilitator, but at the end of the day, his usage percentage is fucking stupid. It is absurd. He's James Harden in that offense, and he's lost in the first round two years in a row. Okay? Defensively, he's a nightmare. He can't guard a fucking goddamn thing. He's a matador. Okay? I know Trey Young isn't good defensively. I'm aware of that, but he at least has a nice grit, and he takes pride in it, and you can just hide him on fucking Furkan Korkmaz or something like that, and he'll actually do his job. <laughs> but before we start putting Luka Doncic in the same conversations as LeBron James, let's let him perform to a T where he can actually win a playoff series. I just had to get that off my chest. I think it, be, I think it became a thing. You seem pretty angry. Can I guess who? Can I guess who said it? Yeah, you can. Was it me? No, it wasn't. It was Bill Simmons. Yeah. And he, he he has a history with LeBron. We That's don't what I was we don't have to go through the ESPN yeah. page two articles where he's talking about Gloria James and all this bullshit and how, you know, the Heat ran as Celtics and LeBron's a Laker now and all that kind of stuff. We don't have to go into that. But just the fact that Luca's even in the same conversation as LeBron is an absolute disgrace. It, it really is. Like, okay, buddy, outplay Trey Young in the playoffs. That's all, that's all I'm asking. This Luca guy is pretty good. <laughs> kind of like LeBron. <laughs> I'm so excited for the Trey Young-Drew Holiday matchup. Mm, okay, let's let's go into the conference finals. Um, let's yeah, let's talk Philly or sorry, Atlanta and, and Milwaukee. Um, what are the keys to the series? Give me one key to the series from both of you, and then I'll, I'll give you guys mine. Um, give me one from Milwaukee and one for Atlanta. Go ahead, Barter. Clint Capella's ability to stay in front of Giannis and mm. Drew Holiday's ability to stay in front of Trey Young. Those mm. are my two keys. That's yeah, it. I'm gonna go with Bogdan Bogdanovich reaping the benefits of playing in Atlanta, having a lot of space to work with against the team that he was supposed to go to. The best. And then from from Milwaukee, I'm going to have to go with Middleton um, taking advantage of the fact that DeAndre Hunter is not going to be playing in this series, more likely than not. Um, there shouldn't be a wing defender that can guard him, like genuinely. I think they're going to hide John Collins and Brooke Lopez, put Clint on Giannis, like you said. Uh, go ahead, Jack. For mine, Atlanta, make it rain. Mm-hmm. Just attack him from the outside. And then Milwaukee, don't fuck up. Don't fuck because you should have it. Yeah. Okay. So just you know. All right. Give me uh. Give me the predictions for the series. I'm gonna take Atlanta, in six. <laughs> Milwaukee in four. <laughs> Milwaukee in six. Okay. All right. Let's go to the Western Conference Finals. So we have. Are we already have a little bit of a scope on what's going on? Phoenix is up one zero once again. Um, Carter, what are the keys to the series for the Clippers and the Suns, respectively? Oh, man. Um, if Devin Booker continues to – and, like, we'll see how long Chris Paul is out for. What a, what's he back game three? Is that what they're saying? In mm-hmm. this next game, if he continues to play Chris Paul's role as well as his own, which, I mean, game one was so spectacular, then it'll be an easy 2-0 lead. And I don't know if the Clippers will be able to come back from that. And then – Clippers keys, the role players just have to keep shooting. They have to keep knocking down shots. And Marcus Morris, I mean, he's a fantastic shooter, one of the best corner shooters in the game. Um, But he looks really slow out there. So if he can pick up the pace, uh, I don't know if we're going to get another game like what Terrence Mann did out of him. Um, So if Reggie Jackson knocks down his shots and Marcus Morris knocks down his and then Batum keeps on playing like he's not 55 – um, then I think that's their key. 
I think for the Clippers, they're going to have to make the adjustments from um, if they are going to go small ball, they have to shoot the lights out. But if Aiton is going to continue to be a dominant presence four feet and in, um, see how well Zubach can play. I think Zubach is a good player. Um, I think that he should probably get the boogie minutes. Boogie played 12 minutes the other day and had five fouls. He just can't play without fouling anymore. It's really <laughs> sad. But he got he got his buckets. There's no doubt about it. That's the boy. He was forever. But, uh, um, and then He's for, coming back still. He, he is. He's still coming back. It's not over. It's, it's the journey. It's, it's, all, it's a marathon. Hashtag zero doubt. Hashtag resurgence. Um, but, yeah, and then I'd say for Phoenix, um, I mean, just, just – know your role like if anybody tries to exceed the role if jay crowder ever has a game where he takes 20 shots uh, i think they take the l but as long as they can you know keep maneuvering through the formula i think they're gonna have a good shot at you know making it to the finals and potentially winning it um jack what about you uh for the clippers i'd say their biggest key is Kawhi leonard hope and pray that he comes back because i don't i think without him they don't really have a chance especially with how uncertain his return is where at least with cp we have uh a general idea of when he's going to be hitting the court again. Um, and then for Phoenix, just keep it moving. They're on a fucking roll. Just whatever they're planning, whatever has been going on in their locker room and their practices, just keep that going. I, you know, I'm not the one. I can't tell them what to do and how to play. So, you know, you're doing great. Keep it up, honey. All right, beautiful boys. Thank you for joining me. This has been a lovely little Monday morning pod. Um, we will be with you guys throughout the rest of the playoffs, throughout the conference finals and the finals. Uh, we'll even talk some draft lottery on the next edition of the pod, just because oh, uh, that's, un- that's that's tonight. unfolding tonight. Oh, and, wow. uh, if the Chicago if the Chicago Bulls don't have one of the top four picks, um, then it's getting shipped off to Orlando. Uh, what a waste of a trade! Um, really, just gave up a young asset for an aging star. Um, but we don't have to go into that. Uh, it's just another It's just another mediocre move from a mediocre franchise. Um, thank you to the Suck Doctor. You're a Kings fan. I don't want to hear <laughs> thank, thank you to, trust. Th- thank you to the Suck Doctor, Jack Martin. Um, thank you to the head of the Slime family, Barter Ferriman. Um, you boys are always a pleasure to talk to. I love potting with you. We will be back. Um, make sure to tune into All Things Burbs. We'll be having a couple of our podcasts back up and running. Um, we're ready to get fully functioning once again. We love you. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the basketball games and have a great rest of your week, everybody.